Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. Not the intro. And just in case you didn't hear that, say that again? Not the intro you always wanted. Oh. <laughs> All right. In case I didn't come through, this is 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. Hey, yo, of course. I'm Dustin Perry, and I'm joined by the man trying to hold this ship together that's duct taped and glued and there's toothpicks everywhere mr james key hey you know like i at the end of the day man you listen to some other podcasts and people sound like they're on landlines from back in the day like rotary phones and shit like they're in a a bathroom stall like we're all right i mean it's a lot of it's a lot of like you're right it's a lot of duct tape and figuring shit out like how does this work with that and you know, we're on a budget, is what I'm trying to say. That budget is zero. And the man who went from zero to hero, Mr. Matty Key. Hello, Matty. I don't know what that means, but sure. It just means that you're still in first place in our fantasy football league. So Right, yeah, because I have a fantastic team. And what's also fantastic is our lovely sponsor, Now Your Treasures. But we'll talk a bit more about them later. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Joe Hay... Otani. Blotani. We're going to be talking about Juan Soto. I was waiting for someone to say <laughs> something like about Soto. No hey Otani and Juan Noto. Baseball alleged journalists. Plan C for the Toronto Blue Jays. The NBA League Championship Boom. and the results of week 14 in the NFL and our picks for week 15 in the NFL. We're almost there at the end of the season. I can't believe it. All that and a whole lot more coming up on this week's episode of 43.6, which, yes, again, is brought to you by Now Your Treasures, which we'll tell you about a little later. First, we do want to talk about what's happened in our lives in the past couple of weeks and anything that's uh, jumped out at us. Um, I would think I should probably start with this. Thursday night, it was a much-anticipated night. We all got together for this one, virtually, but we all got together for this one. It's kind of funny. (laughs) And it was, of course, the Video Game Awards. We've been talking about it the past couple weeks. Wonder if there's going to be any surprises. I know we threw out some suggestions, what we thought we may may see. Hold on. It's not the Video Game Awards. It's the Hideo Kojima show with some awards and other developers kind of there, too, and stuff. (laughs) It's like the... It reminds me of the Derek Zoolander school for kids who can't read good and want to learn other things, too. It's like the Jeff Keighley show for Hideo Kojima and developers who make other games, too. It was, yeah, certainly not an award show. And, I mean, the video game awards for a while hasn't been an award show. It's like an E3 winter. It is. I mean, E3 doesn't exist anymore. It is literally E3 now. A lot of people are calling for them to just say, scrap the awards thing. Like, if you want to do the awards, fine. Like, hand them out. You don't need people there or whatever. And just do your reveals and interviews and shit. Well, I I think that's the problem with that is that the brand now is so successful. Like, people people give Jeff their trailers and their reveals and their world premieres because they know people are going to watch the Game Awards. 
whether or not they're being drawn to it because of the actual awards or they're being drawn to it because of the announcements. Regardless, people are there now for that event. It's WrestleMania. It's they're not necessarily there for the wrestling. They're not there for the storyline. They're there because it's WrestleMania. The brand itself is what is drawing people now. Yeah, but it's so trying to have WrestleMania it, centered around. We're handing out slammies. Like that's <laughs> that's the problem, right? I mean, and I think I was listening to IGN's Game Scoop this week, and Sam Claiborne breaks it down. I think the best. He's like, he's like, who cares? This guy's not an authority on anything. Like, don't so don't think about it that way. Like, he's a guy that has a product. And he puts that product out. Like it's not like the more you you get bent out of shape over like he doesn't represent the industry. Right? Like people vote on some things and stuff, but at the end of the day, this is his product that he makes it's it's there to make money, right? Like it's not you know, he, and he said like the industry has an award. It's called dice. Like it happens to dice, right? Like so it's not I don't know. I think he's kind of right. Like I don't you know, as much as you want to be critical about some things, and I was critical about it too, like, do I think it's fucking weird that Hideo Kojima got like 15 minutes to talk and stand next to Jordan Peele and not show anything while people who actually made games were ushered off the stage in 15 seconds? Yeah, it's fucking weird. But, but he when didn't you look talk at it, about anything, it was, it was <laughs> just all, oh, he's so great, like this, and like it's Jordan Peele. They never talked about anything about the game or what it's about. It's just, I love this. He's, you know, there's a good opportunity. Gee, he's such a revolutionary. Like, fuck off. <laughs> it's absolute hogwash. Like, it, it's, it's getting to the point where it's every year and it's just like, buddy, like, stop riding the dick. No one fucking cares. Like, the, but like Metal Gear's overrated. Everything he's done, like, sure, it's fine. But, like, it's not like it changed the way we do gaming. Like, it's... But it's a product, right? And I think that's it. Once you just, I think it's because you want it to be in a, a legitimate award show. And when you when you accept the fact that it's not, then all these things become a non-issue. But but that's individually, right? Like you can say, oh, if you do that and blah blah blah. The problem is, is ninety percent of the gaming world looks at this as something of substance. Okay, first of all, how dare you? Mail your solid is a gem. All right. It's a fun it game, is... but it's not the pedestal that <laughs> no, 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 it's being held on. 100% agree, especially the way Jeff treats uh, Kojima. It's just like Kojima didn't make this game or these games by himself. Like, like there's thousands of people that have probably worked on Metal Gear 1 through 5, right? Like, it's just it seems a little strange. And I get it. Like, so many people were influenced by that game and it's changed i, th I think it did but change his the industry body in language ways. dude his body language is even odd like he looks like yeah. he looks like he's gonna hug his leg <laughs> i think it's <laughs> i was gonna say he looks like he's gonna hump his leg right but I, I think it's a good point of that the gaming industry has made this a thing because it doesn't really i mean i guess dice exists but that's a different kind of vibe with dice i feel like dice is very like insider industry only type people whereas i feel like game awards is a bit more inclusive of uh fans and people kind of like the oscars able yeah so anyways do, does does the point. game this is more like the, the gaming world it's yeah essentially does the gaming world need this no but it's fun 
And it's it's a nice thing to have. And I think they're going to take the feedback and they're going to Are make they? it better next year. I think because they there, there's been feedback for so many years about different things and it well it hasn't really changed. Well, they did cut out the world premiere shit because they're they're right. getting made fun of <laughs> left, right, and so center there's, for the world premiere. There was that. And last year, I remember there being a lot of advertisements. And this one, I think, still had advertisements in a sense that like, I guarantee you, Kojima paid for that spot, whether Jeff gave him a deal or not. But like to have like 10 minutes to talk about nothing, no, Jeff that had been him. a paid spot. You get my point, though, like other developers had a spot like that, too, where like um, Digital Extremes had a spot. It was really weird they where the they came out and talk about war. Clash of Clans mobile gaming thing commercial, too. Yeah. So with anything like whatever. Yeah. Anything like that. It's obviously an advertisement. It's just not as blatant as the past couple of years were so i think they've learned from that they've tweaked the advertising i think it's it was significantly better this year because we're like discussing whether we thought it was an advertisement or not so that's a, a good thing right i just think next year instead of giving everyone 30 seconds to make a an acceptance speech let's go for a minute you know let's uh especially let's go for two minutes maybe especially considering the year before they were like we're, we're inclusive. We have more women. And they didn't. And then they got slammed for it. And then this year, one of the first awards was a dude goes up, says thanks. The girl goes up to say, and the music's already playing. And they're like ushering. And it looked like they just cut her off. And that's okay. Inclusion, I, I get. But here's the thing. And I don't remember what award it was. But I remember saying to you guys, like, does no one at this fucking company speak English? Like, I understand if you're a Japanese studio and everyone speaks Japanese or whatever, but do you have like a communications manager? Do you have like a community manager, a vice president of North American, whatever? Like, why do we have all these interpreters up here? Does like Hideo Kojima himself have to talk about nothing? Can like, is there no one at Kojima Productions that can come out there and say, hey, I am so-and-so and let me present to you our North American audience, what we're going to be doing over the next little while. It's just, it breaks up the, the flow of the show to hear the, the constant translations of stuff. Now, maybe it's more authentic this way, but like, I just don't think it needs to be the studio head that accepts an award or it needs to be the studio head that announces something like you can find someone else in the organization to do these things for you. Right. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, I kind of, I get it, but at the same time, it's like someone like IG Onuma who came up for Zelda, like that's his creation, that's his mind. Like you want his words, not, you know, well, you speak English, so you go up there and do it. Like I don't think you convey the thought or the appreciate appreciation in the same way if it's not him. Um, but that was like my other gripe is like you give all this time for Kojima for absolutely nothing, and then Onuma, you're essentially playing off the stage who is the producer of Zelda and yeah. has done way more in recent memory for gaming than Kojima. And they're like ushering him off the stage, like, get the fuck off. Yeah. You know what? Maybe like actual award acceptance. I have significantly less issue with it. Like if you speak Japanese, you speak Japanese, whatever. But no, like, yeah, if, was, you, if you're revealing something. Yeah. Or, yeah. That, I, guess I think. That. More of my issue was Kojima and the translator where I'm just like, this is taking twice as long than it needs to if we just had someone to speak English. Like that would just or subtitle the fucking thing. I don't know. Like just find a way to make this snappier. And I think it would have flowed a whole lot better. Um speaking of making this snappy, let's move on. 
<laughs> um, I, I was going to say, may, Jimmy may have one more thought about it. No, my thought is to move on. <laughs> okay. Like, it was three and a half hours, and I, by the end of it, I'm just fucking end me. That could have been over at 1030. Not even end Maybe. the show, end me. <laughs> right. And that's what I mean. Like, there's there's ways to tighten the show up a bit. And I think we could probably take notes from that as well <laughs> for tightening the show up. Um, do you guys have anything else? I have a couple other things on my list, but let's dive into anything you guys have from your week. I think, dude, I think we were all locked in on the same thing. Yeah. And yeah. I think, I, I, I think our weekends were pretty spent on yeah. our Discord is evidence enough. So there's a couple of things. Okay. So this one will be quick. So I'm going to throw this one at you. Okay. Now, there is a person that I'm following on Instagram. Okay. A female person. And they posted a story. Now, it wasn't them them typing it. They like shared a post from some other account they follow. And the post said something along the lines of when a guy likes my stories and had like a vomit face. And then like her response was like posting the story was also like, lol, exactly. And I'm like, fuck, okay. Note taken. So gentlemen, <laughs> I'm just saying this is coming from at least two females. If you like a girl's post on Instagram, it's fucking gross. Don't do it. It makes you look like you're desperate in some shit. So I, I don't like girls' photos on Instagram. That's what I'm saying. James, be careful. Um, I, this is a constant evolving space, right? This whole social media thing, we've grown up with it. Like, like we were the generation that didn't have it, and now we're heavy users of it. Like, we've seen the entire life cycle of this fucking thing. And things change here and there. This is one of the things that has changed. It, so I'm warning general, you and all of our listeners, and I feel like the hundreds of listeners that we get every week, I feel like the vast majority of them are male. If you come across an Instagram post, whether it's a story or a post or whatever, just and it's a female's post, Especially if it's them, like a picture of them, like in any way, just don't hit like. <laughs> just I, the, don't hit like. The only ones I will is if they're close personal friends. Like right, like Kojima. it's a very close. Yeah, Kojima. If it's a very close personal friend and they're posting a picture of them with like their child or something, like sure. It's, it's but yeah, it's a. Listen, I kind of get it from the perspective of, it's a measure of control for them now probably where they historically didn't have it right like think about attractive women in social settings or even non-social settings fucking everyday public where they'd just be walking in normal street clothes and fucking construction worker a you know ralph is like right like cat calls and shit so now it's like okay i'm doing this on purpose and now i'm telling you what you can and can't admire right so i i kind of get it from that mentality i just i also think that you know if if you didn't if you didn't appreciate that then i don't think you can go out and be ignorant about it either you know what i mean like i i understand the perspective doesn't necessarily mean i agree with it I, I look at it similar to our conversation about the video game awards where the industry put too much emphasis on the meaning of that award. Whereas in this case, I feel like as a society, we've put too much emphasis on the meaning of a fucking like on social media. Yeah. But like I, 
it's also baiting too, right? A little bit. Like you put it out there and you know it's going to happen and you're doing like. You, That's you the want, purpose of the platform. Right. And like you <laughs> yeah. want the likes, but you want them to come in so then you can call people out for them. Give me attention. Yeah. No, 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 wait, not that attention. Yeah, like like the like the ones where it's like girls will be like, oh, new pair of shoes, and you just see like the top part of the ankle, of the shoe, but they're wearing a bikini with it. It's just like you're not doing this for you know your shoes, or you're not like you're doing it for the attention. And then when you get the attention, you're like, no, I don't want it, not because it's not it's, it's not the attention that I like. It's, it's the Matt Rife problem, right? I want to be rich and famous as a comedian, okay? But your audience is female. Nah, I don't want that. <laughs> like. Uh, I only want males and I'm going to be a dick about it to get males. And then males like, wow, you're a dick. <laughs> so like they're full, like they're fully willing to capitalize on the attention if it makes them money. But then when they're like, you not that guy. Cause I guarantee you here, this is what I'll, I'll say. If it's some regular, normal Joe who likes it, they're like, ew, guys don't like my picture. But if it was like, say Ryan Reynolds, and he was like single or whatever, and they liked his picture. She'd be like, "Oh my god, look, Ryan Reynolds like my picture." Like it's, it's not about guys liking the right. photo. It's not the guys it's they a measure, want to like. It's a measure of control, like I said, right? They want to control the attention. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, it's bullshit. <laughs> imagine if, if you see the post and you think the post was directly intended for you to like. You can hit like if you don't know this person, you're not close enough with them or you don't think you're the intended audience or this type of content is don't hit like because then you'll be labeled a fucking creep. And that's just a bet. Just, just don't. <laughs> it's best just to avoid the situation altogether is all I'm saying. These are uh, times that are changing in the world is that we have to adapt as the world goes on. And it's just best to avoid these fucking ridiculous traps. So- my rule is if I don't know the person, I don't like their photos. Oh, yeah. No, no, and I'm this exact same way. But I'm saying like this is also coming from a, a lens of people you know hitting like so that's where like I agree with you, Maddie. Like normally if it's if I'm like there's a bunch of people Even if I follow it's like the and, rock or like whatever, and like I'd say he has five hundred thousand likes on this photo. I was like, why? Like I don't know him. Like, cool, he did this, but like right. I don't need to like it. Yeah. No, I got you. Anyways, I'm just saying, be careful out there, folks. It's yeah, no, games. like also too, you got to be careful of like the slip likes. Oh yeah, uh, we yeah we've talked about that on this show before, oh, and like oh. we've seen it also like when you roll through uh, Twitter, the follows and it's like, too. There's like it just shows the people you follow, the stuff you liked, and all of a sudden it's like, who's this half naked girl on my timeline? What the fuck is this? And it, it comes up, Maddie liked this photo. I'm like what? <laughs> Stop yourself, because that wasn't me. <laughs> no, I'm just using it as an example. I don't remember who that was recently. I remember there's an athlete or someone who did that. No, Shay I, R does it all the time. Yeah, and, uh, good old Jim Ross will so, hit like on these scandalous photos. So it's funny you say that because uh, my friend and me have a mutual friend, and he knows he listens to this every week because he literally drives to work and it takes him like an hour and a half. So he's like, I listened to it on my way. So he'll know what I'm talking about. We have a running joke because on our timelines, all of a sudden you'll see this like fitness Asian broad or like this fitness broad who's like Spanish, just fitness broads who aren't white and they start popping up. And inevitably we have this game where we send each other the screenshot of like her profile snapshot where it's like her name and like everything in the pictures. And it's just followed by this person. And we laugh all the time because the person who like is following it 
you would not expect it to be that person. And we're like, yo, this dude is out here like vulture, just absolute hyena for these. Uh-huh. And we laugh all the time about it. And I don't know. It's just, it's funny. And we're like, do you think these are mistaken follows or mistaken likes? And he's like, absolutely not. No, it's hard to mistakenly follow somebody. That's all I'm going to say. One more thing. One and a half more things. James on Saturday night was NXT deadline. And all I got to say is NXT is great. Again, it's just so good. Make NXT great again. Um, the whole, I don't know if it's called a deadline match, whatever the fuck it was. The show's called deadline. They had two Iron matches. Sur- Iron survivor. Iron, Iron survivor match. Listen, convoluted as fuck when they're reading all the rules to you. It's like, uh, okay, sure. But this is one of the situations where they benefit from doing a men's and women's version of it. So the first match on the card is the women's version. And then you can kind of see it and you're like, okay, I understand the concept now. Like that's kind of like the proof of concept. And then when the men had theirs later in the night, I was more invested in that match because I understood the rules in from the previous night. From earlier in that night, I should say. Dude, the the girls were great too. I'm not and actually that's another thing I should probably say before I glance over the girls match. Every single one of those girls in that match, I was like, holy shit. Like, they're good. The athleticism was off the chart. Like, that one girl doing the 450 and that Lash Legend girl, like, just looks like an incredible Th- athlete. Tiffany Stratton's a star. And Stratton is, is the, a star is a great way to put it. I was going to say, like, she has something extra than the others don't. Like, I feel like she has more of a character where the others are just like, well, no, there's new Mickey James. You know, it's, exactly. So, anyways. They were all great, but the, the men's one stuck out to me because of the timing of the finish of uh, Trick Williams going from zero falls to three falls in like a minute. And then that last and so much of it isn't just how well the wrestlers are doing it, because, you know, the referee has to communicate the time cues to all of them. So shout out to the referee in that match, because that was a fucking nightmare to officiate, but they got it done and the production of it, too. Because it's you can do a spot in the ring, but if the camera's on the wrong shot, it's going to make it all look like shit. The fact that Trick did whatever, the, there was like the outside interference and he rolled someone up, one, two, three, great. And then there was the ridiculous dive from Bait, and then he went for the driver and he rolled him up and pinned. Like that was another, that was a second fall or whatever the fuck. And then he's in the corner selling and there's like 10 seconds left. If you're on a wide shot, you can see Braun Breaker right there. But they were tight in on Trick. And then when he runs out, they pull out. You see the full scene, bang, and then there's the finish. And like, this is so well done. And they got it done within like the last few seconds. And the match ended. The crowd erupted, threw babies in the air. They're all chanting, whoop that trick. Like, this is how you make a star. What's crazy is that team has no Genetti. Well... Uh, well, <laughs> we'll see. No, you um, don't think which one you don't. If okay, so at, at the, out of the two, you're talking about Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, who are a tag team, and Carmelo is going to be in the U.S. title tournament, so he's technically going up to the main roster now. I'm just saying, looking at the two of them, I'm all in on Trick Williams. I know Carmelo is more seasoned and That's he's ready. Saying. I, I would say the Fed has their 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 money strapped to Hayes already. Right, but 
it's you can't teach six foot five. So okay, as a man who is five foot, as a man who is five foot seven, okay, I'm not throwing any shade at Carmelo Hayes. I'm just saying from a when you look at a guy and see a star, you usually don't see him as that height unless he's Ray Mysterio. When Trick Williams comes up to the main roster and he's that size and in that shape and has a crowd behind him already, I think Trick Williams would be a bigger star than Carmelo Hayes will be. But that's just my perception of where they are right now. One last thing that I swear to God, we're going to move on to Otani. I want to be quick with this one. This came up this week on Twitter a couple days ago. I think it was on Friday Night on SmackDown. Bobby Lashley was celebrating with um, the Street Profits, who have new music and it sucks. Nevertheless, the Twitter account, WWE on Fox, so not even WWE, WWE on Fox. So I assume it's probably an intern from Fox who's like a social media intern, took a picture of them and captioned Dem Boys. Maddie, as someone who is not as heavily invested in the wrestling bubble as James and I are, although you do have a lot more wrestling experience than uh, some people may think. When you hear Dem Boys, what do you think? Um, what's it called? The Brothers. Okay, so you do. Okay, well there you go. Well, yeah, I knows- I was a big I was a big oh. Ring of Honor guy. No, you were so. But so, this you is what I'm getting wrong, at. Though you asked the wrong. Guy. No, I, I was no, but I was curious if he even remembered. That's the thing, right? Like course, I know, yeah. I know, Maddie went to all those Ring of Honor shows. I know the Section C sign and all that. I get it, but that was a long time ago. And I was wondering if like he even remember that. Oh, so, course. buddy, I've got like an elephantine memory, <laughs> and like a tortoise-sized penis. So it's like, <laughs> and I don't mean like it's the size of a tortoise. Yeah. I mean it's like, no, well, we got it. Tiny. <laughs> the resources have to be allocated somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I I got like a good memory and a good brain, but and like I got six foot one height, but I got Asian waist down. So Mark Briscoe um, was upset about the Twitter posts calling them dumb boys when very clearly Mark and Jay are dumb boys. And Mark eventually came out later with another Twitter post of like, guys, I was just upset at the time. And he's still grieving the loss of his brother. Like, I understand. I'm not shooting on Mark in any way. But man, the comments that flooded after that of all the people saying, I can't believe WWE would do this. These horrible what a horrible thing to do to erase the memory of Mark and Jay. I'm like, wait a minute, guys. Hold on. Time out. <laughs> Listen, um, there's a Venn diagram <laughs> of wrestling fans. All right. You take that big ass circle and you call them WWE fans. And this also relates to the CM Punk promo on Friday where he like kind of dropped an AEW reference in his crickets and no one understood the joke because whatever happened with him in AEW in September of last Nobody year cares. was never met. No one gives a fuck. First of all, it was never mentioned on television. So even if you were an AEW fan, there's a chance you had no idea because they never mentioned on television. Anyways, of all the wrestling fans in the world at Venn diagram, I want to say there's a very small sliver of those people who cross over as AEW fans. And then there's a very small sliver of those fans who also encompass AEW and ring of honor fans. And then of those people, <laughs> who are Ring of Honor, AEW, WWE fans, there's an even smaller sliver of people who give a flying fuck about what goes on backstage. 
and are reading the newsletters like fucking nerds and are subscribed to Fightful Select. And, and that's another fucking thing. The other day, Fightful Select was like, oh, Seth Rollins says he's uh, interested in having a match with CM Punk. I'm like, you like, why are we yeah, no tweeting storyline? No shit. Anyways. Anyways, I mean, we need to move on. I'm just saying uh, <laughs> people need to realize that um, not everyone who is a wrestling fan knows what happened on the independents and are reading the newsletters. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Uh, wrestling journalism is a problem. Uh, there's also a big problem in baseball journalism. <laughs> a big, big problem. And all right. So it's actually quite remarkable. If you just think about the past two weeks on this show, two weeks ago, on was it episode 80, 80 something or another, because this is episode 86, so episode 84, a couple weeks ago, we talked about Shohei Otani. And I had said, there's not a fucking chance in the world Shohei Otani is signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> I had said on this program two weeks ago that Shohei Otani is just using the Blue Jays to jack up his price when he signs with the Dodgers. Fast forward one week from that episode, I had said on this show, I firmly believe Shohei Otani is going to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> you guys said out of 10, and I said probably 9 out of 10. It looks like it's happening. Like, this is the roller coaster that Jays fans went on. Two weeks ago, it was an impossibility. There is no way this team, with this ownership, is going to spend the money that we expected to be $500 million to Shohei Otani. We thought there's no way. I don't think there's even a conversation. They're just not even going to bother. We'd be happy with Cody Bellinger, which I still don't think they're even going to get. But at that time, I think we were all under the assumption of, okay, they're not going to get Soto, and they're not going to get Bell, or they're not going to get Otani. Let's just wait to the next round of free agents, and then the Jays can make their play, and we'll probably end up with Isaiah kind of Falefa and be like, fuck, whatever. But then everything changed a week after that. Where I had got, and not just me exclusively, like everyone had got this information, but I had got information that the Blue Jays are in. Like they're, they're in. And it sounds like it's going to happen. So much so that the betting lines were changing rapidly. The Jays went from plus 1,200 to plus 600. That's when I got in and placed my bet at plus 600. The and then shortly after I... seventy at one point. Yeah. yeah, they went all the way down to, my, I think, minus 115 or so by the time the betting books removed it as an option. Like, that's how close the Jays allegedly seem to be based on the betting books seeing, like, okay, a lot of money's coming in here. It sounds like there's something happening here. And then there was all the quotes during the winter meetings between Atkins saying... We have two budgets. We have an Otani budget and we have a regular budget. So it sounded like they were they were going to spend. And then there was the story of Otani going down to Dunedin and checking out the training facility. And I think there's a whole lot more meetings with Otani, with the Blue Jays, that we weren't privy to. I think that's fair yeah. to assume. I can just on how far along. They're like, where are you? And yeah, there's exactly. Can't say all sorts, and all of this was just wrapped in this veil of secrecy that Otani wanted 
to not publicly talk about the negotiations, the negotiations of this deal. But for day after day, the Blue Jays are getting closer and closer. And it was really seeming like it was going to be a real possibility that he was signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. And if you looked at it like logically, it made a lot of sense. Like a guy who is injured, he's injured right now, right? Like he needs Tommy John surgery. It's still hit though. That's the weird thing with Tommy John surgery is like you can't throw or do anything, but you can still hit. So that's why you'd play him at DH. Yeah. And the Jays don't need him as a pitcher. There's no rush for him to come back as a pitcher on this team. So the Blue Jays starting rotation right now looks locked with Gossman, Barrios, um, Bassett, Bassett, Kikuchi, Kikuchi, (laughs) Manoa. And then the fifth spot is questionable right now. It could be Manoa. It could be Tiedemann. We don't know how that fifth spot shapes up right now. And maybe they would go out and get someone else. Who knows? Yamamoto. But a year from now, Otani can go back into starting rotation and everything is still fine. Not only that, but the training facility in Dunedin is one of one. There is no other training facility in Major League Baseball that comes close to the Jays facility in Dunedin. So for a guy rehabbing an injury, it makes perfect sense that Otani would want to go to a place that will ease his way back into the league, use the best technology, use the best training facility, the best staff, everything. Makes perfect sense. Roger Center having a dome makes perfect sense. He never has to miss a start. Controlled environment. He loves hitting in the dome. Reminds him of Tokyo. I don't know if he played in Tokyo Dome or where the fuck, but he played in a dome in Japan. I'm I'm just saying Tokyo Dome because I'm a wrestling fan. All this made sense. It all seemed like it was happening. And then December 8th happened. December 8th will go down in history. <laughs> Maddie's face. When he feel, looks traumatized when he hears December 8th. December 8th will go down in history as the most ridiculous day in the history of Toronto Blue Jays baseball. And we've had some ridiculous days. You know, there's, there was the day where Shea Hillenbrand wrote, the ship is sinking on, on the whiteboard. That was a pretty ridiculous thing. There was the times where the Blue Jays were unceremoniously eliminated from the playoffs for not scoring a goddamn run. There were some bad days at a Toronto Blue Jays fan. This was another roller coaster that Blue Jays fans went on on December the 8th, 2013. It was a Friday. And it all started... Because the one fucking guy tweeted out, some random. hey, just some dude tweeted out, hey, there's a flight leaving from, I think it was Santa Ana, a airport in and around where Otani lives, in and around Anaheim, not LAX. I think that's the point. The point of his tweet was, hey, if someone's fr- flying from... Los Angeles area to Toronto. It's usually LAX to YYZ. In this well, case, it was. Well, it was also a private plane. Well, that too. It was a private jet flying from somewhere that's 12 minutes away from Otani's home 
to Toronto on the Friday. And this was a week after I had heard through a source, through another source, whatever, that Otani was in agreement with the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, I had heard that Otani had made an agreement with the, a verbal agreement with the Toronto Blue Jays. And that's been reported on Twitter, too. Now, no one believed that, but that was what was being Which might told be to certain people. Like, if you look back... I don't... If you look back at the timeline, a lot of the reporters, and I know we'll talk about journalism, were very, very specific to say, no deal is like pen to paper. Like they were all very specific saying nothing has been signed, right? So the idea of a verbal agreement for whatever purpose, and I know we'll get into that, could have been real. Yep. Oh, I 100% believe that that is the case. I 100% believe that Otani had a, whatever this even means, a verbal agreement with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I bet it could have been something like, oh yes, I agree to verbally play for the Toronto Blue Jays at 10 years, $500 million, but I'm going to tell the Dodgers I'm doing that and they have the right to match. And I bet that went back. And that's why this took forever. I bet what happened was the Blue Jays said, okay, fine. Dodgers went up to 550. All right, we'll go to 575 and the Dodgers match. All right, we'll go up to 600 and the Dodgers. You get the idea. So I bet there's a number of times where Otani verbally agreed to sign with the Toronto Blue Jays. Anyways, that was a week prior to this. That was December the 1st. December the 8th, we have this private jet flying to Toronto. And <laughs> the best one after that was the the hotel, the sushi restaurant reservation of, hey, so I just got a reservation at this restaurant for 50 people at a sushi restaurant near the Rogers Center in Kikuchi's name. Make, make of that what you will. I'm like, what? <laughs> So at that point, I called that one bullshit immediately because I was like, well, okay, first of all, I think when that tweet came out, it was just after nine o'clock, maybe just before 10 o'clock a.m. I'm like, listen, I've, I spent a lot of years in restaurants and I know for a fact, if you call a restaurant before 11 a.m., no one's answering that fucking phone. Okay. So you can't just make a reservation like that for 50 people at nine o'clock in the morning. Now, it's a Japanese restaurant. Maybe Kikuchi owns the place. Maybe he knows the owner. Maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a special celebrity way of getting through on these places. But that was out there. The, the flight was out there. Everyone was kind of assuming the Blue Jays were the front runner. There was also the betting lines we mentioned earlier changing. So all these factors going into it was like, okay, well, something's happening here. It was probably the most unproductive day the Discord in the history. Fire. <laughs> I mean, everyone who works... In an office, it was the most unproductive day you've ever had in your life because all you were doing was refreshing Twitter all day, just trying to get any morsel of information you can get on Otani and what the status is and what's going on. People were having sources, like people were finding sources. the The Discord was updated with new shares, and oh man, like I said, even if it didn't happen, it was going to be a day that's going to live on in our memories forever because we were all it was pitching in and contributing to this like one I don't know like like almost fairy tale right and all of this is from some ridiculous tweet about a flight well until okay. un, until is it it was uh John Morosi was it John no, Morosi? JP Morosi no is his name JP or John what the fuck am I getting John Morosi for? 
is John Morosi. Until John Morosi, who is a noted reputable. baseball reputable baseball journalist, he has a vote in the Hall of Fame. He literally gets a vote to for the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So it's not like it's you know Dodgers Journal, which we'll get to in a second. Wait, that guy's part of the Baseball Writers of America, by the way. <laughs> is he really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, JP Boone's just part of the... <laughs> All right. It's not like it's fucking Gate 14 podcast. And I love okay. those guys. These aren't just some J-Brones. And again, I, I, not trying, like to, not trying to insult tr- Gate 14. <laughs> every every tweet. Would you like to call on to Gate 14 and discuss? <laughs> <laughs> those guys are pretty funny. And I'm not yeah. trying to insult uh, Gate 14. I don't think they'd be insulted by me calling them Jabrones because they are. They're just Jabrones who like the Blue Jays. Anyways. The point is, they don't have a vote in the yeah. National Baseball Hall of Fame yet. Yes. Maybe one day they vote. <laughs> it was a reputable source who said Otani is en route to Toronto. So he didn't specifically say Otani is on that particular flight that people are fucking tracking. People are on this website tracking the path of this flight. Like it's Apollo 13 and we're watching the, like <laughs> the takeoff around. In, like my ah, we're gonna pull a U Utah and go back to L.A. Like you know. Yeah, it's like oh no, hold on, we're gonna go take a swing down to Atlanta and get a different, uh, and go talk to Alex Anthopoulos. No, like this was, this was all the track as if it was happening. So it was almost like that was the confirmation that Blue Jays fans were were looking for. We're, we're it was quick all, round table. like at that moment. John Morosi tweets that out, okay? Where are you in the this is happening meter? Oh, I had three jerseys ordered. I had a white, a blue, and a baby blue with Otani 17 on them. Like, they were in the cart. Yeah, because you sent the picture of the custom... Was it you that was like, yeah, yeah, jersey, $200? Yeah, it was $200. I was willing to spend $1,000 on fucking jerseys for Shohei Otani in Toronto. I was probably 90% at that point of it's happening because I, I still knew in my mind that the Dodgers were going to be given the chance to match. But the fact that he was on his way to Toronto and he had already been there made me think, okay, there's no other reason to go anymore other than to do your physical and, and sign the deal. This was probably... What was say two o'clock in the afternoon? The flight's supposed to land around four thirty, and then the article comes out from Dodgers Journal. I think it's what it's called, Dodgers Journal or some shit. Dodgers Nation, I think. Dodgers Nation. Essentially, what it is is a journal slash blog about the Dodgers, and it said, "I don't know what it specifically said, but congratulations, Toronto." Yeah, so it was insinuating that it's over. He's signed. I don't think he said signed, but he's agreed to a deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. It's over. Sorry, Dodgers fans. Let's move on and whatever. And that was getting talked about as if it was a a real thing. And everyone and Sports Illustrated took like put up articles and cited that as their source, saying Dude. it's done. The Jays have Otani. Here's our source. Dodgers, whatever the fuck. J.P. Hoonstra, like I said, Baseball Writers of America was the one who did it. And MLB.com even picked up on, like, the Morosi stuff. Like, 
It wasn't like it wasn't like it was. It wasn't like weird. I tweeted it out and they were like, "Oh, well, sure, let's run with it." We are well beyond the fact, or the we're, we're beyond the point of the rando dude tweeting about the flight. That happened, but Morosi t- said Otani's on its way. The Major League Baseball. I don't know if it was Major League Baseball or Major League Baseball on Fox or whatever the fuck. I think it was Major League Baseball. Whatever the case, there was a credible outlet that had a picture of Shohei Otani and then like under and then the caption of Morosi's tweet of him en route to Toronto. Yeah, it was that like, It was not some made up blog. We now have multiple writers who have a vote in the Hall of Fame and the league itself talking about Otani being on this flight. And then uh, 4.30 rolls around. Actually, no, <laughs> well, let's, let's dial back. Let's dial back. Let's go back to 4 o'clock. So we're about an hour, about a half hour away from this landing. And then all of a sudden people start, we're just fucking sleuthing now, right? We're looking all over the web, all over the world, trying to find any morsel of information we can. And then someone came across. Hold on, before, just before that, though, it got real quiet all of a sudden. Like It did, yeah. People... Like no one started stopped talking. Like after that, people stopped talking about it. People stopped tweeting about it. There was nothing that really came out. Something was up, or do you think they were waiting for the plane? I genuinely think something was up because at that point, I think because if he's on the plane, regardless of them wanting it to be quiet, if he's on that plane and it's pretty much a done deal, and Morosi's had that out for like six hours, it's been circulating, whatever. I think then someone or something probably got word that this isn't legit. And someone's like, I don't know how we relay this or what do we do? Although I think a few people probably got word. I'm sure Morosi got word and he's probably sitting there thinking like I fucked up. Right. And so he's like thinking about how he's going to, I guess, convey this or whatever. But I just remember and I think you guys can go back in the Discord on that day. And I wrote, I have a bad feeling. And I just said, something's just not right. And I think it was around 4, 4.15. So yeah, I it just, it got oddly quiet. Yeah, I do remember the the almost eerie silence. Yeah. And maybe that ties sorry. in to, to what you're saying next. To, yeah, to what you're about to go to, Dustin. Sorry. No, it's good context, actually. Because yeah, there was a point where... It was radio silent. And I, and from my perspective, I thought that was a good thing. Because again, like Otani had wanted so much secrecy around this whole thing. I thought the, the silence was, okay, this is probably good because something is happening. Something's boiling here. And so there's that. And then around four-ish, someone realized, or maybe it was, announced somewhere on twitter it was bob, bob nightingale. nightingale yeah sorry what was the nightingale thing uh, it was john Heyman who... and bob nightingale they both said that otani yeah. wasn't on the flight he was at home no no, no. So I'm, I'm, this is before this oh okay oh okay so we'll, we'll get to that around four o'clock is when people realized oh shit sportsnet has canceled not canceled oh. but like removed the five o'clock or six o'clock yeah. hour of whatever they had planned from five to six o'clock and said, we're going to put our baseball show 
on at five to six o'clock in the middle of December for no reason. So like there wasn't any communication from Sportsnet, who, by the way, are owned by Rogers Communications, who also own the Toronto Blue Jays. So we've had all the speculation all day. And then there's that dude from TSN who's apparently a producer or like a media guy at TSN who tweeted out press conference at 6 p.m. Otani Jays with a handshake. There was that too of an alleged press conference at six o'clock. We had heard through our own internal channels of people running equipment over to the Rogers Center. Now, this wasn't tweeted anywhere. This is our own internal sleuthing of this show. 43.6, hard at work for you. Security being hired at pay. Hired there pay was security and presser. equipment being run over to the Rogers Center for a press conference at 6 o'clock. So which, while I, which those I scoffed at... Well, those weren't like announced or anything, but then you see the Blair and Barker stuff going on at 5 till 6. You're like, okay, this makes sense. Yes. Like that would make sense to have your radio show, your baseball radio show to go on the air and talk about what you're going to yeah. like, talk about okay, guys. the entire situation and yeah, say, okay, and at go the end of this, Atkins. yeah. and now at six o'clock at the top of the hour, we're going to go live to Ross Atkins at the Rogers Center. So like, again, nothing was officially announced by the Toronto Blue Jays to say this was happening, but the fact that Sportsnet put on that fucking one hour show from five to six o'clock was bullshit. One of two things happened here. Either they knew that something was coming and they didn't announce it, but they knew that we knew. So they're like, okay, we're going to just get the ball rolling and go. Or they had no fucking idea. And all they had heard was the same speculation that we have heard all day. And they jumped on it just like everyone else did. Which, you know what, is a mistake. Fine. But then, (laughs) so much to unpack here. And then we get the tweet from Nightingale saying Otani is not on the flight. Otani is not in Toronto. Otani is at home in California. And then the plane lands. And God damn it, this is like OJ Simpson driving in his white Ford Bronco. The aerial footage. (laughs) Pearson International Airport was tweeting. The account of Pearson International Airport, which only usually tweets about like security risks or, you know, get to the airport early to avoid lineups of security. They tweeted a live video feed of their airstrip of planes coming in and out. Didn't they also wasn't also like the the landing recording shared? Where I don't know. It's hard to tell because all these planes landing look exactly the same to me. But there was like, I mean, like the audio where the guy was like. Welcome to Toronto, whoever may or may yes. not be on this plane. That was strange. Because I feel like the fucking pilot should know who's on his plane. Yeah. Anyways. Then there was... Like, there was literally news outlets that sent their weather helicopters out to the airport to get a shot of who's coming off this airplane. And sure enough, Maddie was not a Japanese athlete. Maddie's favorite. <laughs> I fucking hate this guy already. <laughs> like, I I have a friend who's heavily invested in Dragon's Den. Heavily invested in Shark Tank. 
like watches and buy it, invested, but like they have they yeah, have they've, I mean they've invested some it. of the companies. No, like I I mean watches it, and like when I drop just the first name, you'll you'll I guarantee Jim will start laughing. My friend Steven's heavily invested <laughs> in Dragons Den and Shark Tank. We need to introduce and, Dustin to this man. Yeah, it's he's the most interesting man in the world, but Dude, in like not the best. Sam, way. He doesn't need Dosakis to be the most interesting man in the world. Yeah, like, this is how this guy is is like every moment you spend with this man's a fucking riot, and like he would be the guy all in on Dragons Den and Shark Tank. Like that's yeah, right up his alley. He'll he'll. He'll he'll message me clips, be like, "Yo, I saw this on Dragons Den," and that's literally how he says it. He's like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna go buy it." <laughs> anyway, um, fucking Robert Herjavecker, Hajvecker, Reykjavecker, whatever, trots his fucking pleated ass pants down that plane like he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And yeah, we'll get to the conspiracy theories in a moment. So, but I. I I was so tilted. I was like, this fucking POS. Like, sure, you're rich, but dude, you look like the type of dude who still gets wedgied in the bathroom. <laughs> like, fuck this guy, man. I remember fucking up his stupid ass. I remember someone asking me, "Do you think it's Otani on the plane?" And I said, "I don't know." I could totally see it being some fucking billionaire coming back from California after cheating on his wife. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent accurate, but I'm a little of the way there. I, I'm undetermined whether I'm all the way there. So now Jay's fans are left holding the bag here where it's, we thought he was on the plane. We thought he was signing with the blue Jays. Turns out not on the plane. Turns out, not signing with the Blue Jays. Turns out, none of this was... Poor Kikuchi sitting all by himself in the sushi restaurant. Well, no, no he's sitting with 49 people, not 50. Or at least 49 servings of... <laughs> or 48 people. So then, now the speculation starts ramping. Of like, so what the fuck now? Like, what, what, where do we go from here, right? And this is when it got super quiet again. Because no one had anything. Everyone went to bed. We all slept on it. I, however, had something. And I was told that, no, Otani's not in California. Otani's in Toronto. It, was he on that flight? Obviously not. But I bet there's a whole bunch of other flights that went from California to Toronto that people weren't tracking. It's so I'm not saying this 100% happened, but from what I have been told, Otani was in Toronto during this entire fucking ordeal. While everyone's like tracking a flight, he's literally already in Toronto doing a physical for the Toronto Blue Jays. That's what I've been told. Whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter at this point. But the bigger news happens the following day. Was the following day? Was the Saturday he assigned, yeah, right? Saturday. Yeah. At around it was Saturday afternoon. three o'clock. I saw it driving back from Port Hope after a day of spending with my family chasing my kid around while my wife baked. It was announced firstly on Instagram when Otani just posted a picture of the LA Dodgers logo. And then the numbers started coming out. 
10 years, $700 million. USD. Not worth it. Which is the biggest contract in North American sports history. It's more than Lionel Messi's making. It is almost twice as much as the other highest contract in professional baseball and Mike Trout. (laughs) Like Trout was making... Well, like 10 years, 42 million or 400 something million. Yeah, 440 something or something. Like he almost doubled Mike Trout. Now I get it. Like we even talked about on this show, like like almost months ago, we were talking about Otani. We're like, do you think some teams will pay him essentially two paychecks? Like they a, did. At, at the time we were thinking, is a 30 million hitter, 30 million pitcher, $600 million makes sense. We were half joking because it's such an outlandish number to reach $600 million. And the Dodgers... Paid a hundred million more than that, and here's so here. Okay, so it's said and done. He's a Dodger. Ten years, seven hundred million dollars. There's actually more details now in the contract. We'll get to that in a second. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> Disgusting. There's one of two things that I think happened here, and actually, I want to also get to the the fallout of all of this as well. I believe that one of two things happened. Option one, Otani did or was at least somewhat serious about signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. I can personally tell you that I believe there are people within the organization that believed they had signed Otani on a number of occasions, that they were in agreement with Otani on a number of occasions. I believe that the Blue Jays believed that. I believe that the Blue Jays made a very um, comparable offer to Otani. I don't know if it was $700 million, but I wouldn't doubt it was $700 million. I believe it's possible that the schedule of events was Otani agreed to a deal with the Blue Jays on December the 1st, verbally. We went into the winter meetings and Otani was going to let the other teams know who were involved in the negotiations that, hey, I'm going to tell everyone that I'm signing with the Blue Jays. And then over that week, it went from a 10-year, $500 million deal to all of a sudden the Cubs saying, hey, we'll give you 525 And then the Dodgers saying, well, we'll give you 550 And the Blue Jays saying, and it eventually just escalated to a point where the Blue Jays had got all the way up to saying, okay, final offer, $1 billion Canadian dollars. So it was like 10 years, $700 million. And they were about to sign this deal. Otani came to Toronto, did the physical, because no one's talking about that, that you can't just sign these deals without a physical. Right. Doing his physical, and something came up. So this is option. This is possibility number one of what happened here. Everyone's thinking it went the other way, but this is possible. Well, this happened. I remember it's that, not just tied to his arm, right? Like Otani's had a history of oblique issues and other things, right? Like he's not he's not been injury free his entire career. Right. And, and is this his second Tommy John? I couldn't tell you. I thought it was. I don't think it is, but like it, I'm sure Maddie can look it up. But the point is, you're right. He knew you were. It's on not it. just. 
it's not just the elbow. When you do these physicals, no one wants another Correa on their hands where like, you say, oh, we signed him, and then all of a sudden, whoopsies, fuck that. <laughs> Sorry, let's yeah. not do this now. Especially on a 10-year deal for this much money. I'm willing to guaranteed. What, what potentially happened here. Did the Jays offered a significant amount of money, whether it was 700 or 650 or 675 or whatever, and they did the physical, and they're like, woo, wait a minute. Maddie just confirmed. Maddie confirmed. Yeah, second Tommy John. Yep. And when that happened, they then went to the Dodgers and said, hey, the Blue Jays have a problem with the, the physical. Would you guys be willing to match the 700? And the daughter said, fuck yeah. We'll sign you right now. Don't care about the physical. Just do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And then there we go. I think that's option one of what happened. Option two of what happened was actually there's probably three options if we get into the conspiracy theories option two what probably happened was the dodgers were always the team he wanted to go to he never had any interest in playing in toronto and he's using all these other teams as leverage to get a higher deal and a higher deal and a higher deal and it just eventually got to the point where it's such a ridiculous amount of money that no one could have offered 700 more than 700 million dollars well option three is that with a twist as well, M. Yeah, so option as three, Shyamalan would say, <laughs> right? Option three is essentially that, but with a lot more, um, a lot more color <laughs> thrown in, and a lot more um, creativity. So we'll get to that in a second. I, I I like that whole thing, but after this went down, and Otani is officially a Dodger, even though there's still like a pending physical, but the fact that they even announced it, it means that they're going to go through with it regardless. And if you believe my scenario, number one, they don't care about the results of the physical. For a guy who's 30 years old, signing him to a 10-year contract. It's like, I know he's the greatest player we'll ever see in our lifetime, but it's also possible his best days are behind him. As just generally speaking for a 30-year-old. Then there was an article that came out on Sportsnet. And Ooh, it was written by... Shai Davidi. It was written by some clown named Shai Davidi. This is... Uh, who generally... I've always uh, respected his opinion on oh, baseball. Dude. I've always thought I've loved, I always thought Shy was a bright guy. I've loved no. Shy Davidi up until December 9th. Fucking clown. I'm, not, I'm trying to find like the exact quote on his article. What you can do if you go to sportsnet.ca, you look up the article called Latest Blue Jays Otani Frenzy Shows uh, Dangers of, of, of Unchecked Gossip. And then, see, I think that's I, the headline is what's annoying a lot of people calling it unchecked gossip when, well, first of all, Morosi tweeted it. And then Major League Baseball tweeted it. And then the network that you work for, Mr. Davidi, set aside an hour block for their baseball show in December. So. Hold on. <laughs> what's what's unchecked here? Yeah, either you guys were, we're all... or purveyors of these rumors as well, or you had they had some insider information that we didn't. Like it's either one of the two. Right, but Sportsnet retweeted the whole confirmation about Otani's a J. Well, so I mean, Morosi. so they're they're just as much right. they're just as guilty. Well, like, and you don't think that either either their sources couldn't say anything and they couldn't confirm it, or 
I saw a couple interesting things that, and apparently it's kind of happened before with, I guess it might be shy or even Ben on uh, Nicholson Smith is that they deny a lot of information unless they can break it themselves when it comes to Toronto. Actually, you're like, right. Baseball. Wasn't it like, didn't they do that with the Springer thing? Yeah. They're like, no, no, it's not done. It's not done. And then they were like, well, now it's done. It's because, you know, so people are like, what? You couldn't break it. So you don't say anything or you put kibosh on it. And I mean, okay, they were right here that it didn't happen, whether by saying it didn't or they were silent. But honestly, it's just for a guy who is so reliant on fan, I guess, interaction and shit like that like he'll never live this down well it's he's gonna get like, ripped it's the fans it's it's people like dustin myself yourself that read his content like we're the ones that consume the article and i don't know if you have any quotes if you're looking up quotes from the article dustin but it pretty like it's pretty scathing towards the fandom like it's, well i don't know calling stupid it is it, there is a sense of arrogance so it's kind of a long uh, paragraph, but he's talking about the flight tracking in the sushi restaurant and a report from Dodgers Nation. And they said only this was a case of putting two, two, two and two together and getting nine. So he's kind of suggesting that we're adding up things that we've heard and we're getting a different answer of what the actual reality is. So, yeah, it's he's not. I think there was a big blowback to Davidi for this article because it does sound a little arrogant, but that could be also people conflating <laughs> their own personal feelings when no, reading this article. I it's think just, you... It didn't come across sounding very empathetic of what so, the fans went through, and it felt like say. they were being they were being blamed to not um, like why weren't you smart enough to catch on? Right, but at the same time, that's not the fans' job. No. The fans' job is to believe what the reputable sources tell them. Well, here's the thing. If it's like sushi restaurant uh, is whatever, you're like, oh, shit. And people are tracking the flight. And then you hear, oh, Otani might be on the plane. And you hear other things. You're like, holy shit. And then if that's all that happened, then it ends up Otani's not here and it all falls out. Then that article comes out. You're like, okay, yeah. Like we were grasping at straws and being hopeful. When you have a BBWAA writer, an insider as reputable and as common as John Morosi tweeting that he's coming, he's on the plane, and then later just tweets a Canadian flag. And then yeah. it's picked up by MLB.com. And then the Dodgers Nation cast or um, Dodgers Journal or whatever says it. And multiple people have said it and it it cooks for six hours without anybody saying anything against it, then no, it's not on the fans. By the way, BBWAA sounds like a porn category. However. Um, it does. It does. It does. Uh, <laughs> everyone, yeah, it does. Um, there, there's a way he could have wrote the article where the, the lens was, it's unfortunate that Jays fans were led down this path. Right? Like that, you, you could have taken that route. The Jays fans wholeheartedly, passionately wanted Shohei Otani here. They were fed information. It's unfortunate it was incorrect. But instead it I think was, the... it's unfortunate that Jays fans believed this. Here's the first 
sentence of this article. And again, the article isn't as bad as maybe we're making it seem right now. It's just, I think you should go and read it at your leisure. Sportsnet.ca. Look for Shai Devidi's article on December 8th. It's called Blue Jays Otani Frenzy Show Dangers of Unchecked Gossip. So you can read it for yourself and draw whatever conclusion you want. But the first sentence in this article is, in an information vacuum, when people are so susceptible to being lured into believing whatever they want to believe, it's so easy to end up with the fevered, fact-free frenzy that surrounds Shohei Otani and the Toronto Blue Jays on Friday. So it just sounds like he is critical of the people who are believing this fact-free right. well, information. Listen, he's painting me out to be a trucker. Whereas the people that are spreading these fact-free Sorry. information... Let me is, rephrase that. Truckers okay. are cool, man. Freedom convoyist. <laughs> Let me take I understood what you meant, but I, I, yeah, I appreciate the clarification. Yes, because there are... clarify. The world needs some perfectly. They're so good. Yes, we absolutely do. Um, uh, that's how we get our food all over the place and how we get uh, all sorts of things everywhere. But Tamara, yes, there are some they, weirdos who... Mistake yeah. me for Tamara Lynch, will you? Forget it. So, I think the Can we talk about entire... the Yeah, um, let's do that. Actually, you know what? Before we talk about option three... I think you need to know this episode is brought to you by Now Your Treasures. Now Your Treasures are purveyors of licensed fine art prints for movies, comics, TV, and video games. Sourced from galleries in the US and UK, which include artists from all over the world. Visit Now Your Treasures on Instagram and send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All orders are shipped with tracking and complimentary insurance. View the entire ever-expanding inventory at nowyourtreasures.ca or .com. That's N-O-W-Y-O-U-R-T-R-E-A-S-U-R-E-S dot C-A or .com. And remember, go to Now Your Treasures on Instagram. Send a DM 43.6 to receive 43% off any order. All right. So there was a third option of how this potentially went down with Otani. And it got deep. Deep. It's deeper you're gonna than have you to help me. That's deep. what I mean. Like it, it probably goes real deep, and you're gonna have to help me fill in the blanks here. <laughs> so the speculation is it's similar to option two, where Otani was just using the Blue Jays to get a higher deal. Now that's in and of itself is not that big of a deal. That's what everyone does in these negotiations. The Happens literally for every single free agent that you're gonna deal with. That's what they're doing. It's going to happen to the Blue Jays again because they're going to pick up the phone and they're going to try to contact the agent of Cody Bellinger and they're going to be used just so Cody Bellinger goes from a $200 million player or $250 million player to a $350 million player. Whoever signs Bellinger is going to pay $350 to $400 million for him and it won't be the Blue Jays. But they will be used (laughs) to get him to that number. I'm not hating on Otani necessarily for that. But the conspiracy theory comes in of this whole secrecy of negotiation and how he, Otani allegedly in his camp did not want information publicly discussed about their negotiations. And then stuff started coming out of Otani visiting the Blue Jays facility in Dunedin. 
And I, the, the, the theory is that someone on Otani's camp leaked that information out to the public to get the other teams that are interested in his services to say, oh, shit, he might sign with the Blue Jays. Let's up our offer. Because let's say you're the Dodgers and you're like, all right, we have a verbal agreement with Otani that he's going to sign for 10 years, 500 million. But what, he's on a plane right now to, to Dunedin? What? Oh, fuck. All right. Call his agent. Bump it up to 525. Mm-hmm. There's there's that piece to it. And I kind of believe that to a sense just because, again, I had information inside the Blue Jays, which may or may not be true, but I had information inside the Blue Jays and I heard nothing about the Dunedin meeting until it hit social media. So I'm just saying no one from the Blue Jays leaked it to me. So I don't think it was the Blue Jays that got that information out. I feel like someone else got that information out. Not necessarily saying it was Otani's people. I'm just saying I don't think it came from the Toronto Blue Jays. Which is the criticism that Otani can then use of the Blue Jays is saying, look, you guys can't fucking keep this under wraps. I'm going to go sign somewhere else, etc. So like, there's that aspect to the conspiracy theory. Is there anything else... Conspiracy wise, before the flight, uh, but um, no, the flight, the flight itself, there's there's something real deep and something real fucking wacky going on there. So the flight that we're talking about is the infamous December the eighth flight that we were talking about earlier on the show of the one that everyone was tracking. Everyone believed Otani was on. Morosi said Otani indirectly said he was on. He didn't say he was on that flight specifically, but. That flight containing Mr. Dragon's Den happens to be a client of the agency that also represents Shohei Otani. It goes That's deeper. where shit gets weird. It goes deeper than that. It goes deeper. Watch. What's the, what's the deeper part of that? Fill in the blanks. On December 7th. You tell Jim. On December 7th, and we have the screenshots to prove it, a Twitter account, G. Zipman, or an X account, who had not tweeted since December 31st, 2013, and tweeted some sort of Law Society LSU um, tweet or whatever, tweeted on December 7th. So out of out of hibernation, this account tweets, and I think it was in a response to somebody. I can't see because it's a screenshot now. But December, so December 31st, 2013, Till December 7th, 2023, a full decade later, this account decides to tweet private plane from John Wayne to YYZ leaving tomorrow morning popped up a couple hours ago. Probably not related, but. So the tweet that started it all came from a dormant account that hasn't tweeted anything for a decade. Yep. And then somebody else picked up on that. And then the person who eventually ended up on the flight was a client of the same agency, agency. that's representing Shohei Otani. And so what people are saying is that CAA fed Morosi and Hoonstra the fake info to scare the Dodgers for extra money and then conveniently had their client fly from Anaheim to Toronto so that there would be a narrative to totally fucking freak out the Dodgers. 
And then they have this dormant account, maybe somebody who works for them. Guy tweeted a law tweet 10 years ago. Lawyers make good agents. Agents got to know law, right? All of a sudden tweets out this fucking uh, tweet about the flight. Now, here's where it gets real sticky. That account deactivated. That account is gone. Ghost. Goodbye. So, like, everyone's basically calling out the agency now saying, you know, um, they flew the plane with, her, like, Herjavec, um, and then set a trap with a Twitter burner so people would talk about the flight. They told Morosi and others that Otani was on his way to Toronto. And then they told other reporters that Otani was still in California. And then they would blame Morosi. It's uh, I mean, Dude, again, it's a conspiracy that's a fucking, theory. There's a lot. But like out of everyone, they probably could like what this says to me is that Morosi probably leaked or did or had insider information about a previous deal with someone with CAA that either got ruined or, you know, took something away from them. And so they're like, this is our, you know what? They were like, hey, we can control the narrative. We can get Otani the money. We need, we need a Potsy. Make it Morosi. He fucked us before. We're going to fuck him now. It's possible, um, dude. Maybe. Uh, or he got picked at random. It, it, I mean, it could be a lot of things like that. Um, I kind of feel bad for Morosi because me too, especially because, like, if you look at the the fallout of after it all went down, like everyone's like, "Fuck Morosi, fire Morosi." It's like, well, let's just uh, like it, the honestly, guy, if he got information from someone who is inside CAA, and that's to what say, I'm saying, yeah. Like how you can't blame the guy. That's as close as you can get without Otani saying yeah. it to your face, right? Like exactly. It, and so that's why the like I'm almost listen. I'm not big on conspiracy theories. You know what I mean? Like, do I think fucked up shit goes on and we don't know about it? Of course, right? But like a lot of these ones, and I was saying in the Discord, the stuff lines up, and that that burner Twitter account really fucks with my head because there's no reason for that Twitter account to come out ten years later dump that and bail like there's no reason you know what i mean and it's just everything's too convenient to be a coincidence or or too coincidental even you know when some things are so much of a coincidence that it can't be a coincidence you know like yeah that's what it felt like to me even like when people talk about oh like even earth the big bang it's random like sometimes you look at things and like everything's really well balanced for random right like this feels really well balanced to be mistakes and circumstantial and accident. I, I'm, I'm 80% that CAA fucking did this and they did it this way. That's why they wanted things quiet so that like Maddie said, they could control the narrative and they could pit teams against each other the way they wanted to do it. And now, now Rogers, I was gonna say now Rogers, Hey, they got egg on their face. Maybe a hundred percent. They believed that, they were going to maybe they believed and they had a press conference ready for 6 p.m. until they were told he's not coming like maybe they were left at the altar bro like i would love to see atkins's uh memoir for this because i would love to know what they thought was going to happen because part of me is also thinking it, I, it might not necessarily been the dodgers per se I think CAA is just like, if we do this, we can get you the most money. And yeah. it's whoever's willing to give it to you. 
whether it's the Dodgers or the Jays. If the Jays had come back at 750 and the Dodgers like, we're not doing that, he'd probably a Jay. So that's that's the big question, right? Of Or he always wanted to be a Dodger, and that's leverage. Because if you know he wants to be a Dodger, like how do you how do you continuously extend that bill knowing that that's where he's gonna play anyway? Like you have to find a way, right? Yeah, so I wonder if it was more of I want to be a Dodger. How do we get the most money for me to be a Dodger? And listen, yeah, when, once you get up to seven hundred million at this point in twenty twenty three, that type of money doesn't exist in professional baseball, right? Right. Like, this is groundbreaking. But so if it's, it's not like it's not like anyone could have gone up more. Right, but what I'm saying is, is Otani could have been whatever, but obviously the agent's going to try and drive up the price because that means more commission for him. That's or a fuck, job. What if it was the state of California? <laughs> because those tax dollars come back. Yeah. Well, okay, so that's another thing. So here's uh, here's something to consider, and because there's going to be a whole lot of fallout from this contract, this is a big deal. Do you have? There's going to be a number of things that <clears throat> landmark. Did you have the terms of the contract? Like yes, yeah. So I, I saw it come up recently, like an hour ago, or whatever. From my understanding, and Maddie, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's two million dollars is going to be Otani's salary every year. Is so, that right? Here's here's how it's working. Because I'll just I'll just break it down because so that it's whatever. Yes, you are right. It's two million dollars a year. Um, but until after the completion of the contract. So the deferred money is to be paid out without interest from 2034 to 2043. So he's going to get 600 and something million paid out over nine years from 2034. Yeah. So what's happening is, is he deferred all of the salary until year nine or year 10. And then they pay it out the remainder for nine years after the end of the contract. And he did that in the interest of giving the Dodgers flexibility of payroll. I mean, sure, but I don't know how the usually how income tax works. I think it circumvents the luxury tax is what it does. Absolutely circumvents the luxury tax because the Dodgers are only be paying two million dollars on their payroll and thus keeping them under a certain threshold for the luxury tax. What it will also do, you're only going to pay income tax on income you earn from where you live at the time. So at the end of this deal, Otani can go off to Japan, go fuck off to Japan, go fuck off to Florida, go fuck off to Texas. And he gets 100% of that $680 million. Well, not 100%, but a lot more than he would in California. Fair enough. A, A significant more money than he would have got Fuck, he could come to toronto in, and get the japanese player tax break that apparently exists and but maybe that would so again like it we don't know what the the motivations of otani was imagine so imagine basically like in the in i mean in baseball terminology playing for free for 10 years like he's making less than like some he rookies. he's saying that on outside of Otani's believed to make 50 million per year annually away from the diamond. The person briefed the That's athletic what I mean, on though. the term. Like the, the guy doesn't give a shit. Also like that, least that, scored. It's one. Dude, the, the 680 for this guy is fuck you money. That, that, Gold that, yeah, that, that 680 is essentially 
when he's old and doesn't want to do anything anymore, he's collecting. You know why? Because fuck him. That's why. It's it's Some- it's insane. I, I'm I'll be genuinely shocked if this is not investigated. Actually, it won't be because Otani's a Dodger, and that's exactly what the MLB would want. It is, and that's the vibe I've been getting. Where the league right now, the way it looks is they don't give a fuck what anyone does, unless you're the, like let me let me, say, let me rephrase that. They don't give Dodgers. a fuck as, as Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox. Um, uh, no, I, I I would probably put the Giants in there too, and probably the Cubs. All I have to say is, I expect a lockout in 2026. When this when this CBA expires, there's going to be a lot they're going to have to figure out. Not just this Otani contract, which is 100% cheating, which should not be allowed with a league that has competitive balance in mind. Which I don't know if they even care, dude. It's it's, it's not like the NHL. It's Ilya Kovalchuk. It's, it's the like, NBA. It's very similar. They don't care. I think. 28 other teams in the league are going to look at this and say, what the fuck? And when I say 28 other teams, because the Yankees are complicit in this as well. If you saw the trade that happened earlier today, the Dodgers trading two players off their 40-man roster to the Yankees for nobody, just so they can get Otani on the 40-man. Like, why why did that trade have to be with the Yankees? Because they're the other complicit team in all this bullshit. They're, they just happen to be the team that landed Juan Soto as well. It's like, okay, I see what we're doing. Major League Baseball is gearing up for yeah. Yankees-Dodgers World Series oh, for the next 10 years. That's what they know, want. You know they have a massive boner at the fact that it could be a Yankees-Dodgers World Series. Coast Are you coast. kidding me? Meet in the middle. Like, that's what they want, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And he, the other thing that the Dodgers fucked, they fucked the other 28 other teams in player contracts that free agents are going to want now they're going to look at this contract and say i want that or and they're going to say you know what you have payroll cap problems defer my money until the final yeah. whatever that's what i'm saying uh-huh. right like oh you don't you can't you can't pay me 300 million you don't want to pay me 300 million don't worry i'll take eight a year and just pay me the rest later with interest <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is the thing and I'll, I'll bring this back to the jays as a jays fallout aspect one now players and I, I had said this in our Discord. One, now players know the Jays have the money. Regardless if they say we have a normal budget and this is specifically for Otani generational talent. If say player X is worth 250 million over 10 years to the Jays, he can now say, I know you have more. If you want me to come here, it's gonna be 350 million. Not only that. Losing out on Otani, losing out on Soto, which apparently the Jays were in on as well. These guys know they're desperate. So not only do they know the Jays have the money, they know the Jays are desperate. Well, I mean, Atkins made a dubious level mistake by saying, we're going to do something big. And when you say that to your audience and then you don't. like, Well, there's a few big quotes from Atkins during the winter meetings. One, it was, we're going to do something big. One was... We have an Otani budget and we have a regular we can't budget. Get two players, and we can't get two players. But well, that, he ended up getting was, zero players. Actually, I think that was an inference <laughs> to to Soto and Otani, right? Like that was. Oh, of course, target. yeah, yeah. But I'm surprised they haven't called a press conference of their own to explain what happened. Like if I was them, I would. 
Uh, they may be still trying to figure. No, they may still be trying to figure out and say, "Where did we get fucked and who fucked us?" Yeah, I mean, yeah, they might still be doing an investigation of how in their due diligence, right? And because again, to be honest, like CAA might represent other players that they need to work with, and you don't want to. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, I bet they represent a lot of players that they want to sign, and you don't want to burn that bridge, unfortunately. And again, yeah, I I bet that they thought this was theirs, like they had it in the bag, and it just the rug got pulled out from under them, whether it was Otani pulling out the rug or whether it was the physical pulling out the rug. But like something happened here. Like it's, it's entirely possible wait. that Atkins is waiting for that plane to land. And it's not who he thinks it is. And he's like, fuck. You he know, like, been told like, he's on there. I don't think that's the case at all. You don't think it's like the movie where it's like, oh, shit. You know, that moment in no. the movie where it's like, uh, what was it? Yeah. Dark Knight Rises. No, I, I don't think Atkins was in the dark like we were. Like I think he knew exactly where Otani was at that point. I, I, I also think very that very well as well, because if that press conference at six PM was called, every media person in the city but, would have been okay. like, We're going then, to this press conference. Well, then why then why even allow Blair and Barker to go on? So that's so that's what I mean. Like I there's a disconnect call, between call somebody. Blue Jays. Hey, send them home. There's a disconnect between Blue Jays and Sportsnet, right? Where Blue Jays do their thing and Sport, Sportsnet does their own thing. I don't blame the Blue Jays for Sportsnet. Everyone has that. a cell phone in 2020, whatever. But it's also, okay, but I don't know. If the, if you believe option one, where they were doing Wait, the physical carrier pigeon, it'll the beat moment. the jet here. <laughs> so again, option one that I'm suggesting is that Otani wasn't on the plane. He was already in the city and he was already doing yeah, the... true physical and with they, the organization. They, they declined him. He didn't decline them. Right. Which we still don't know is true or not true. Right? So there's a lot that we don't know. And Well, actually, I, though, there's one... Actually, well, there is one thing to that, that leads to that option, actually, is that the tweet came out from Ken Rosenthal that uh-huh. Otani had not taken his physical with the Dodgers yet. Uh-huh. So... That like that actually lines up with the fact that the JC the physical they don't like it. He goes to the Dodgers. They say sweet. Um, they haven't even announced it yet. I don't think have they? I think no. the official signing as I, of this recording. I don't think the Dodgers have tweeted or said anything. I think because they have to do the physical as like a due diligence. Right but now, that's what I'm saying. regardless like that leads, regardless that leads of the results. Yeah, exactly. And regardless of the result of the physical, they're going to sign Otani. Like the li- the likely reason of the physical is mandated probably for insurance purposes. Yeah, and it's right. probably in the CBA as well. But so. that makes more sense that he would have a physical from Toronto. Them say, nah, pass. The Dodgers go, oh, yes, sign him, and then do the physical later, right? Mm-hmm. And you can also just say, I'm sure that um, Otani's agent has a copy of the physical that the Blue Jays did. Because if he was going to sign with the Dodgers the entire time, my yep. guess is he would have had a physical way earlier with them. Uh, yeah, maybe. Anyways, pure speculation, obviously. Wildly. But there's going to be a there's going to be a ripple effect based on this contract. Um, I expect a lockout in 2026. We'll definitely see if that happens or not. And then there was, of course, a Blue Jays ripple effect because of all this. Like in the process of pursuing Shohei Otani. They missed out on Juan Soto, who is now a New York Yankee, as we mentioned. And now we're left with whatever's left. And to be fair, a couple weeks ago, 
if you had said to me, without all this other stuff, and said, look, a couple weeks are going to go by, and Soto's going to go somewhere else, and Otani's going to go somewhere else, and now the Blue Jays are left with whatever's left, I would have said, well, yeah, that's <laughs> of course the way I expect this was going to go. Um, if you had asked me at the end of the season, what am I visioning for the Toronto Blue Jays, I would have said, I would love to see Cody Bellinger in left field. I would love to see Joey Votto brought in as a first base slash DH, and probably some sort of extra help, maybe the fifth relief, fifth starter, some reliever help. I would love, et cetera, et cetera. Like I would have never envisioned a realistic scenario where the Jays would have got either Soto or or Otani. So now we're left with, okay, so what is on this list of free agents? Are you looking at for the Toronto Blue Jays and saying, okay, maybe that's a good option? So I'm looking at a list right now, and I think immediately everyone's going to say Cody Bellinger because he's the next big name, and the Blue Jays were involved with the biggest name. So therefore, you would assume that they're in on Bellinger. But I feel like I need to go on the record right now and tell you, you can clip this out if you want, there's not a chance in hell the Blue Jays are signing Cody Bellinger because... As Atkins said, there is a budget, and then there's the Otani budget. Hmm. Just because they didn't get Otani yeah. doesn't mean they're allowed to use the Otani budget on Listen, Cody Bellinger. Though there's also the I got to save my nutsack budget because he went out there and said we're going to do something big. So he he owes this fan base. And organization something big. I, and listen, I'm not saying he owes it as in it's ironclad. I'm saying in you want to build trust with a fan base that's going to help pay increased ticket prices for your rentals, pal. You better have something to sell them on, right? So it reminds me of that scene from Moneyball where Giambi's gone and they're all sitting around the room and trying to figure out like who to sign to replace. Giambi and Billy Bean played by Brad Pitt is like guys is there another Johnny Damon or not Johnny Damon although Johnny Damon is leaving as well is there another Giambi no if there was could we afford him no so we need to think differently we need to replace him in the aggregate Dude. so we're going to find Imagine. multiple players who can replace what we're looking for? Imagine being Billy Bean though, and having Brad Pitt play you. That is pretty cool, <laughs> right? Yeah. I think about that. I know, like if, if someone Brad was playing Pitt, me, the... I would look at myself in the mirror differently every day. I'd be like, "Oh, hi, Brad." <laughs> right. Like if there was a movie on my life, I'm pretty sure it'd be like Aziz Ansari playing me. Like I don't, I don't get Brad Pitt. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's. I mean, is that racist? I don't know. Actually, who would play each of us, Maddie? Who would play you in a movie? If you had to have an actor play you. It's if easy I, for it, me to if say. If it was my choice or who I legitimately think would probably Who do you think me. would get chosen? Fucking 2005 Jonah Hill. <laughs> <laughs> Specific era. Specific Jonah Hill era. I'd probably get Seth Rogen. For me? No, for me. Oh, I mean, let's do it. Let's let's uh, let's write a movie. Aziz Ansari, starring Jonah, Jonah Hill, Hill, Seth Rogen. Aziz wow, Ansari, that's a huge film. <laughs> um, be, honestly, you know what? I, it's can I get Jason Manzukis instead? 
Oh, that's a good choice. You know, the fuck you want. Fucking kills it in Invincible. We'll uh, we'll put a pin in that one. Yeah, we'll you know what? Come back next week because we'll each come with our actor who we legitimately think yeah. will play us in a movie. Let's do that. I'm gonna have to write this down now. Yep, you got to do some work. Um, All right, I know what you're saying. They're movie. gonna get. They're gonna do this by committee because they need a third baseman. They might need a second baseman, and they need a left fielder, and they might need a DH. So it could be a combination of Soler, somebody else. You know, maybe one of these young guys can. Again, that they're gonna have to spend money regardless because now Bo and Vladdy are need to get paid, you know. So, because you're not gonna let them walk now. Yeah, there was like a theories going around that if in the in the world where Otani or Soto were a Blue Jay, there was potential to trade one of or both Bo and Vladdy before their contracts came up and bring in comparable players at a better number because they the feeling was that if they had so much money committed to Otani that they weren't going to commit to you know but 30 million dollars for Bo and 30 million dollars for Vladdy and 70 million for Otani like that that wouldn't have mathed but you know the math wasn't math now well it depends on what they do next so do I think they're going to sign Cody Bellinger hell no Okay, moving down the list. <laughs> Who's next? Matt Chapman? I mean, at an appropriate number, may, maybe you bring back Matt Chapman at an appropriate number, but he turned down a $20 million qualifying offer. So you're going to pay more than $20 million for Matt Chapman, in which case I think that immediately strikes him well, out. Well, because now you're getting into no. Cody Bellinger territory. So you bring back Brandon Belt for $10 bucks, Maybe, but that's not necessarily ideal. How much is Solaire uh, If you're looking get? at... Solaire is projected to get around sixteen million. I'd rather Solaire at sixteen than Belt at ten. So, but I don't know if it'll be sixteen. It might end up being you know twenty. So let's say it's twenty. Um, Solaire last year hit you know thirty six home runs, pretty all right. He hit two seventy two, pretty all right. Fangrass projects him to hit thirty three home runs this year, two seventy eight average. So that's a a solid player you can bring in, but I think the Blue Jays are looking for a left bat, which unfortunately, when you look down the list of left bats, there aren't. Uh, any. You're you're kind of stuck with Eddie Rosario, maybe. I hit left. <laughs> you might you That's might true. be an option. I'd be uh, I'd be a solid. O two five. What about what if the Jays circle back on a Jose Ramirez? So that's another hypothesis a lot of people are talking about that the Jays just might not be done in the trade market, right? Like there's sure they oh. didn't get Soto, but there absolutely could be another trade on the market for them. Not necessarily a left bat, but Luis Robert could be an option. Um a lot of people are saying, you know, just because they got rid of Soto doesn't mean that the Padres are all good now. Yeah, <laughs> so like my circle Bogerts, yeah. Or Tatis, right? Like, so maybe you circle back up to them and say, "Hey, is there something else you you're looking at getting rid of?" And well, we can. I feel like the Jays are starving to get rid of Manoa. Like, I think they're like, "Hey, he can compete for a spot in the starter," but I think one, a lot of teams would be willing to take a flyer on him and say, "You know, it didn't work out in Toronto. Maybe it'll work out with us." Um, and because of like the potential that's there, I just think that. Um, you could get a fair bit with including Manoa into a package. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's a let's let look at it this way. How many teams can boast they have a proven uh, MLB starter that was a Cy Young candidate before he's like twenty three? Like, how is he, what is he twenty three, twenty four? Like, you know, there's a lot of upside there with proven work, with like a body of work, right? So, and even a couple starts last year until John Schneider fucked him, <laughs> he he was he was all right. There were signs that he might have been heading back on track. So. I mean, if the guy sticks to three pitches instead of 46, I think that's his <laughs> wheelhouse. You know, throw that two-seamer that floats away, throw the fastball, and throw that breaking ball, and you're good. Like, I don't understand why he tries to fucking come up with – he's like fucking Rick Vaughn in Major League Two coming up with, like, the masturbator and he shit like need, that. He just needs a haircut. Um, so, yeah, the Padres, uh, the Padres need pitching. The Padres need MLB-ready pitching. Um, I, I'm, I'm seriously weary about putting a prospect like Tiedemann out there. I mean, he looks real good. Um, they've got Berea in the minors. They've got, you know, do they explore moving on from a Relvis Martinez? Uh, I'd be bummed if they did. I don't know, man. Like, I don't know with, with, with honestly, with having an okay second baseman, or with Davis Schneider potentially playing second and Espinal platooning with him at second and with no third baseman, I don't think they get rid. I don't think they move on from Martinez who could probably play third. I, I can see a world and boy, this would be hard to swallow, but I can see a world where this go Bijou at third Snyder at second. And you have Vladdy slash Horowitz at first. Oh, and then you they, throw in, they're going to end up, they're going to end up with Guriel or Teoscar in left. Potentially. Yeah. <laughs> so, or like a Jock Peterson or something, or like there'll be like a guy further down the list that no one's really looking at. Maybe Randall Grichuk is due like, to come back. At the trade the deadline, wasn't there rumors that they were interested possibly in bringing back Tao? Uh, I don't know at the deadline, but there's uh, definitely, there's so there's, de- yeah, there's definitely appetite, I think, for the Blue Jays to want to bring him back. Because, I mean, sometimes correlation isn't causation. You know, like people are saying, oh, you know, the Blue Jays are significantly a worse hitting team after they got rid of Teoscar and Guriel. It's like, well, yes, but that's, it doesn't explain why <laughs> Vladdy stopped hitting, you know? He, so he's dropped 20 home runs, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it, it's not exactly the same thing. There is other options. The Blue Jays could look into a ton of different guys. We'll see. You know, it's, I like the it's, idea it's of hard either to tell Tim Anderson or Lou Bob. I think there's upside to those guys too. Can I interest you in Rudnet Odor? No, no, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's that. There's, saying, there's a lot of options here. Get some help. <laughs> it's funny, like you look at this list of free agents, you can come up with an uh, like a, a team that I would Dude, not want to watch. Rudnet Odor is thirty. He's only he's the same age as Otani. Yeah. Yeah, that fucks him and, and what didn't he bat like a one ninety five last year or some shit? <laughs> um, I don't got, know if it was that bad. He's got some road bumps on him though. I'll pull up Odor and uh, last year Odor hit <laughs> not bad too. That right? Am I reading that right? Am I reading that right? Oh, okay. No, I read it wrong. Two hundred five. <laughs> okay, I, I wasn't two hundred three actually. Shit. Yeah, I wasn't far off. I was eight points off. Yeah, he's actually hit um, very bad his entire career. 
<laughs> so again. I'm not sure. Once again. Um, who, who's I didn't do that? fucking shit. We got to move on. Uh, quickly, did you guys watch any of this league championship game that happened on Saturday Absolutely night? not. I thought it was absolute bullshit. All I want to say. It's dumb. Well, of course it's dumb. A couple things okay, I appreciated. NFL week 14. How was it? <laughs> I appreciated that. I don't know if the intent was to give the trophy immediately to the players. But LeBron just went up there and grabbed it. So <laughs> good. Uh, finally, a, a league other than the NHL is handing the trophy to the players and not some fucking white guy in a suit. So that's nice. The other thing I will say, it's cool that they got medals. I don't know why you need a trophy and medals, but hey, whatever. It's cool. I, I think Soccer they probably should give out championship belts or something. Do they? Yeah. Okay. And I, then... I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Finally, last thing that I will say, and we can move on. Or Maddie can make his point, and then we'll move on. Um, LeBron James oh. won league championship. Michael Jordan, zero. That's all I got to say. Jo- honestly... If this was around when Jordan was around, in the one, he would have had two. So, whatever. <laughs> but my point is is this. I thought it was boring. I thought that what they tried to do for the engagement wasn't really there. The product wasn't really there. But I still applaud them and congratulate them for trying to do something different in North America. Yeah, I, exactly. I think it could be better down the road. Absolutely. Do I think they should try it again and refine it and take what they learned this year? both good and bad and remove and then also incorporate or accentuate or add more positive things that they learn. Absolutely. Um, I don't think they should want and done this though. I think they should say, okay, no. what did, what did we do? Well, what did we not do well? And let's improve this. Something like this needs history to build on, right? Like in, in European football, like these championships, mid season, whatever they have, they have history to, to build on, to make it important. Like they can't just quit this year. From what I heard, though, the teams that were in it, the cities were invested, right? It could just be us being Raptors fans and not being in it, right? Where, like, we, we had no vested interest in it. From the sounds of it, Pelicans, Pacers, like, their fans, their cities were, were invested. So, at the end of the day, I don't, like, do I think it was, like, do I think the fucking courts look dumb? Yes. Would I prefer just different... <laughs> Um, jerseys, probably. Um, but from the perspective of having a separate trophy, a winner's purse, something else to look forward to in that kind of dead area of November, December, I actually kind of like it. Yeah, I, I think it helps that the Pacers have a whole bunch of players that aren't making a lot of money. So they actually cared because the winning purse to them actually meant something. <laughs> so I think that definitely helps. But And also, worth mentioning, and we'll see how this goes on if they continue to do this over the next couple of years, the fact that the Lakers won and LeBron James being 38 years old. I wonder if these championship games happening in December is going to benefit guys who are older Right. So typically when it comes around to the end of the season, you're playing meaningful basketball games for an NBA championship. Maybe you don't see the Lakers with their, you know, old men on their roster, but 
they definitely have a chance to win a league championship every year because it happens in December. The other thing it might do is stop um, a lot of, what's it called? Load management. You want to stop load management? You say you have to play an X amount of number of games if, in order to be eligible to play in the playoffs. Well, you do what the the NFL does, where you have a an injury report, and if you're not on the injury report, Four you weeks. have to play. <laughs> so, yeah. Speaking of the NFL... NFL Week 14 wrapped up. Actually, didn't wrap up. It's still ongoing as we're recording. There's two Monday night games this week, the Titans and the Dolphins and the Packers and the Giants. We don't know the result of those games as we're recording, but we fully expect the Dolphins to win that game. And if you ask James, the Packers are going to beat the Giants because that was his pick this week in our weekly parlay, which did not win because Maddie picked the Texans over the Jets. And I don't know how you could possibly do that. The Jets are so good. And the, and the Texans are so bad. So how did that possibly go the other way? But one thing you can always count on is that my pick will be right. 14 weeks in a row, I've been correct. And if you're not aware of what we're doing here, it's a survival type pool. You can't pick the same team twice. 14 weeks in a row, picking a different team. I have given you a winner. In this case, it was the Saints over the Panthers. Now, have I generally just picked teams against the Commanders, the Panthers, and the Cardinals? Yes. <laughs> but um whatever man mlb should it's, investigate it's, this guy's picks dude i am so at this point i want to be wrong at some point because i am looking at a lot of fucking money had i done an actual survivor pool through some sort of betting service yeah. like how many people are perfect through week 14 right that's just oh it's upsetting yeah the, the, the funny thing is is that's all well and good, but you should see this man's fantasy lineup. <laughs> Dude, I'm winning this week. Okay. I am winning this week, and guess who I'm beating this week? I'm beating some jabroni who didn't even set his fucking lineup. <laughs> no, Stop it's it. not that he didn't set Get some help. It's not that he didn't set it. We literally sat there, and he's like, I fucking started the wrong guys. <laughs> Uh, twice, I twice I made that mistake. I also put a parley in, and I meant to pick Raheem Mostert instead of Jalen Waddle for any time touchdown score. Touchdown, yeah. So yeah, James started Tank Dell, who's on injured reserve, and he started, started Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Pacheco, who is also out. So he started two injured players, and I was probably going to beat him anyways. But I will gladly take the victory. And it's also funny because like this was a big week because. Playoffs We're fighting for our lives for playoffs at this point. And I, with this win. I'm, I'm comfy. I, I, I mean, Jalen Hurts had eight points last night, and I'm still going to win. With this win, assuming I hold a 95% chance to hold on to my victory here, I would comfortably slide into like eighth, into fifth place or something like that. And with this loss, James might fall out of the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. And uh, I'm very happy that I actually get to play some fantasy playoffs because not everyone gets a playoff team for Christmas, but I, I very well may. The Steelers and Patriots was our Thursday night game. Oh, and it was. Yeah, that was one of those games where I remember on Thursday night because we were watching the game awards on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking through Twitter that day, people saying this might be the most uninteresting Thursday night game between these two. Like or any game between these two teams ever, right? Like, no one gives a shit about this football game. No. No. So we'll just move on.
Buccaneers and Falcons, though. Uh, that uh, what's his name? Baker Mayfield's real good. <laughs> At what point do we start to say, you know what, Baker Dude, Mayfield, not bad? It's been really like his season this year has quietly been a very, very solid season. I mean, when you look at the stat sheet, you're like, yeah, well, he a couple touchdowns, 144 yards. It's not like the most amazing thing of all time, but they're getting wins, the Buccaneers. Now, are they going to make the playoffs? Maybe. Maybe not. But there's, there's a chance here. This was an interesting one in that I remember recently, I don't know if it was a Thanksgiving game. It wasn't Thanksgiving. But I feel like these teams played each other recently. I'm going to look this up. I'm talking, of course, about the Lions and Bears. And Yeah, they did play recently. They did. They did play recently. And that was the game that the Lions barely won, like the last play of the game, mm-hmm. came back and beat the Bears. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that shouldn't have been as difficult as they made it look. And this time, the Bears were at home. And... I was thinking to myself, and I didn't do it. I didn't pull the trigger on the bet, but I was thinking this is a, a game where I want to throw some money on the Bears because the Lions looked real bad against them last time. And sure enough, that's what happened here. The Bears won this game handily, 28-13. And dude, every week, the Lions are giving me another reason to question them. Yeah. Yep. They're falling off the map right now, which Jared Goff, like the fucking crystal ball card is a pumpkin and it's fucking midnight like that is where the lions are with jared goff right now could they turn around they have enough weapons sam laporta looks like the best thing since sliced bread but they are so not the lions from three weeks ago that loss to the packers was oh it did something to them. Like they, they've changed. Like that Thanksgiving Day game where like all leading in, they hadn't won a game in a fucking decade and on Thanksgiving and the moon is green, so they never win on a green moon. Like they're they're not the same team. Bengals and Colts. Uh Browning. <laughs> he's all right. No else is all right. Michael Pittman Jr. So he's all right too. Although the Colts did not win, but nevertheless. You know who's awesome? Joe Mixon. <clears throat> Joe Mixon's pretty good too. Can't complain about Joe Mixon. Um, although I know he had 21 carries, so it's not a concern immediately, but a lot of people are talking about Chase Brown and how good he is. He had eight carries to Chase Brown. And but I think the the main things that people are talking about is like the 54 yard completion that he had through the air. If you start putting in those numbers as well, like Joe Mixon lately hasn't had a whole lot of competition in the backfield, but between the 25 yards on the ground, 80 yards through the air, plus a touchdown, Chase Brown looks like a very valuable and usable player in fantasy. Um, So something to keep an eye on. I don't think I'll be picking him up this week, but maybe something to consider. Not for James because he's out and his team won't make the playoffs, but for all of you out there who play fantasy football, keep an eye on Chase Brown. Might be a, a good waiver pickup this week. Someone who was a good waiver pickup in real football. And maybe this guy is everything the New York Jets are looking for right now. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, former Super Bowl MVP. Former highest paid quarterback Mr. in the league. Mr. Joe Flacco 
coming in off his couch <laughs> and starting for the Cleveland Browns and taking down the Tony Khan Jaguars. I don't like cheering for the Browns, but this was fun to watch. <laughs> That's <laughs> Dude, Trevor Lawrence is a warrior, though. High ankle sprain, goes out there, plays the game. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe that he was out there. So hats off Trevor Lawrence for gutting that one out. That had oh, to yeah. not be easy. Saints uh, pumped the Panthers 28-6. That's what you'd expect to see anytime the Panthers are out there. Panthers improve, if you can call it that, uh, to a 1-12 record. They are now 0-8 on the road. So keep that in mind. Bears are so happy. (laughs) Keep that in mind when placing your bets. Panthers are 0-8 on the road this year. Uh, Speaking of bad teams, the Jets won a game. And listen, we talked about it last week. We said the Jets are going to have to win out. They're going to have to win out. The Jets are going to the Super Bowl. That's a promise. (laughs) If the Jets have any... uh, imagination of Russell Russell Wilson if uh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is uh, coming back to play for them this year they're going to need to be in a playoff position and you know what this win helps listen so apparently he's going to be medically cleared to play in the game against uh, DC on like Christmas listen there's a Santa Claus no um, Zach Wilson looked incredible um, they changed the offense to be significantly more aggressive throwing on first down um, you'd like Garrett Wilson got a shit ton of looks. Brees Hall looked amazing. The defense, of course, was typical Jets defense. Like that's that's the team that was billed at the start of the year. Like the way they played, that is how we were supposed to be playing. I say we as if I'm on the team. Yes, sometimes I think that I'm there with the boys on the sidelines next to Aaron, next to Papa Aaron with the headset, calling plays. But you know. A lot, lot of confidence from Zach. A lot of really, really, really big plays. Like, even the the Gibson touchdown. Like, it's just, like, that's the way they're supposed to play. And it's unfortunate it took till now. Because they were, had they played the way they did against other beatable teams, like the Patriots, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Rams defeated by the Ravens in overtime. Uh, Lamar Jackson had like 30-something fantasy points, which, of course, was on your firmly bench. planted on my bench, which makes perfect sense. But you know what? That's that's how that goes. Ravens are now the best team in the NFL, uh, not named the Philadelphia Eagles, which is pretty oh, wild. Dallas Cowboys. Or Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, all three teams have a 10-3 record. This game, I didn't know was even happening. You know, because NFL Red Zone... Only shows you plays in the red zone and scoring drives. Oh, fuck. And oh. this game, the lowest score, scoring game in the NFL in quite some time, the Vikings defeated the Raiders 3 nothing. <laughs> this was oh, on, on a last second kick. Uh, this, was a whole, this was a fucking hockey game, guys. Yeah. This was the Minnesota Wild against the Las Vegas Golden Knights. 3 nothing. That's ugly in every way you look at it. It's it it's it's so embarrassing for the NFL to have a game like that. To be honest, probably the worst game in NFL history. I actually misspoke when I said the Ravens, Eagles, and Cowboys the only ten and three teams because the 49ers are now ten and three as well after defeating the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, one hundred and forty something yards, no touchdowns though. Ugh. On sixteen carries, mm-hmm. like when you well, see like his first carry was like thirty five yards. <laughs> Dude, this guy, I think he has to be MVP. 
I know a lot of everyone's saying, oh, Jalen Hurts and Dak. Dak Prescott's getting a lot Tyreek of consideration Hill. right now. Dude, Ty- if Tyreek hits 2,000, he better get MVP. I there's, I think this is a strong candidate in Christian McCaffrey. It's incredible how good this guy is. Yep. But to me, right now, my MVPs in like order top three would be probably Tyreek, then CMC, then probably... Probably Jalen Hurts. Because I can't remember the last time someone won a quarterback. Jalen Hurts' last couple games kind of has me falling off a little bit, the Hurts train. Um, Yeah, let's go to that one next. I want to come back to another game. So we'll go to Cowboys-Eagles next. Cowboys dismantled the Eagles, 33-13. And like you're saying, James, I am questioning uh, Jalen Hurts. Now, it's possible he's hurt, like he's banged up, and he's just such such a tough motherfucker that... You don't realize it, but all those tush pushes have got to add up after a while, right? I mean, so like, you take that much of an ass pounding all year. Um, the uh, the eagle, I I kind of have it in my head. The Eagles are coasting because the defense looks asleep. There were times in that game where they looked disinterested in playing. They're like, nah, fuck it. Like there were times where Joey Gallup was just. Fucking Brandon Cooks, wide open. Joey Gallup, wide open. This is ridiculous. And, like, I I know Dak's numbers are good. I just I still don't believe Dak is that good. Like, I don't. I don't believe he's that good. Yeah, I'm kind of feeling like at some point you'll see the Cowboys, like, 10 and 7 at the end of the year, and you're like, oh, I guess they weren't there that great. But there they are. 7 and yeah, 0 gonna, on the road. Or 7 and 0 at home. The other shoe's going to fall, or the first week of the playoffs in their first game, they're going to get blown out. Yeah. Speaking of a blowout, let's ride. Broncos, mm. 24, Chargers, 7. Not much to say about this game other than Russell Wilson, you know, just keep keeping on. And Was Cortland like Sutton had a hell seven of a... 7-1 and one in his last eight? Something like that, yeah. The Broncos have been on a stretch. Um, I think they lost last week. They did. They lost last week to the Texans. But before that, they had won five in a row. So, yeah, there's six of their last seven games. Wow. With the Lions, Patriots, Chargers, Raiders to finish their season. Dude, they can easily win those next four games. Yeah. Possible. So, Broncos are right there. And this is the game everyone's talking about. The Bills and the Chiefs. And it came down, well, it didn't quite come down to the last play of the game, but it came down to the fourth quarter last minute. And what looked to be a ridiculously incredible play of a, I don't know, 10, 20, 25-yard catch to Travis Kelsey, who then runs a few yards and then laterals the ball and they score a touchdown and everyone's like, oh my God, what a comeback victory for the Chiefs. Kadarius Tony caught a ball. But unfortunately for Kadarius Tony, he happened to be so offside that the officials just had to call it. And I've seen the pictures all day scrolling through it's Twitter. It's pretty bad. Not only is he like stepped over the line, his fucking head is like long, like in a direct line with the defensive line. Like, this guy is so offside. Apparently, you couldn't see the ball sideways with the line of scrimmage. That's how offside he was. 
Like, yeah, you turn your head and the ball's not there. It's like, yeah, well, you're yeah. offside then, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah, I, w- I was just going to say, like, I don't see how this dude can play for the Chiefs again. Should we play it for him? Play it. It's just that yeah. with how that first game went and all the drops and whatever to to this. And I know people are saying and I heard people say usually the ref will say, hey, get back or you're a little off or they'll, you know, they'll give you the opportunity to get back because he's not firm set there. He doesn't he can move. Right. So just and again, forward. a lot of people. Yeah. A, little, a lot of people have said that you know, the refs would have said or whatever and whether they did or not. It's just, it is so bad. It's your responsibility to be in the right position. You're a professional football. Playing that song made me laugh a little bit while it was playing a little bit because I was just thinking about like the highlights of Kadarius Tony this year and it's just like 46 dropped passes and being offside. Like that's, like there's a reason that the fucking Giants moved on from a first round pick. Like the guy just doesn't have, he just doesn't have it. Like his head's not in the game or something. It's talent is there. It's just the head's not. Dude, you got a lateral from Travis Kelsey in front of Taylor Swift to win the game. And you, you fucking weren't even part of the play. Like that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was real bad. And after the game, Patrick Mahomes was heated. And when I first saw the clip of him like yelling on the sideline, I thought he was yelling at Tony. Like, you stupid motherfucker. Like, how did you fuck this up? But no, he's yelling at the referees. And like, what do you want the ref to do? Not call the rule? Well, here. So, full disclosure, this call, apparently all of last year was called twice. I think it was three times, but you're right. Yes, a very small amount of times. And then this this year, year, apparently, it's been like 11 11. or 12. Yeah. Uh Now, again... If he had looked over at the official and asked him, am I onside? The official, a lot of times, would tell you no, and you back up and well, everything Apparently, fine. If, as a receiver, that's what you do. You look over. And yeah. he didn't. So, look, the referee isn't there to tell you not to cheat. To coach you. To hold your hand, yeah. Like, you're obviously, you know... He's going to not want to call bullshit calls, but if you make it that blatant, they have to. Like it's not then up it'd to be him to tell you. It's not up to him to tell you to get back. If you ask him, he'll be like, "You got to back up." Right. And if what happens if they didn't call it, and the Bills are saying like, "Well, what the fuck?" You know, like how come that guy's so offside? And you say, "Well, it didn't matter in the play. He scored the touchdown." Yeah. Like the 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 pass didn't go to him. But you can still argue that he was in an advantageous position on the defense because he was offside. Like if you don't like the rule, like don't. I mean that's that's the rule. It's like it's almost like me saying, um, "I got pulled over for speeding," and then complaining to the police officer. Well, fuck! If you weren't like putting the speed gun on me, you'd never know. <laughs> it's not fair. It's true. Yeah, I speed down this road all the time. <laughs> if you weren't here, I wouldn't have got the ticket. Did you see um did you see that uh meme of like oh the refs need to check on this Kadarius Tony like offside it's real close you gotta take a look and he's like halfway down the field 
It's so yeah. Funny. I I posted it in the yeah. uh um one on my Instagram and in Discord, but like the Mahomes freak out thing, like how much of a baby are you, man? Like you it's look a like look. such a little yeah, you look like such a little piss ant. And everyone is like standing there saying, Really? Um <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get that he's sticking up for his boys and like he's trying to be a team guy, but everyone in that room who is interviewing a part of that media press conference is like, yeah, but he was offside. <laughs> like, what do you want us to say right now? Um, I don't know. And even it's him just, whispering to Josh Allen, like that was a bullshit. Like, dude, it's just a bad. Yeah. yeah. If Josh Allen doesn't fucking care. He's probably like, fuck they you, won. man. Why does Josh Allen care? Yeah. And he's not going to be like, yeah, you know, blah, blah. he's probably going to be like, don't be offside. Like you would have won, but we did. So fuck you. Looking ahead at week 15, only got three weeks left in the NFL season. There is a special programming note. There is three Saturday after, Saturday games. There's a 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 8 o'clock. So keep that in mind on your Saturday this week. And, of course, we're going to make our picks for what we think is going to be a winning parlay for you. I got, because I'm running out of teams, honestly. And I don't want to have to make this pick, but I have to make this pick. <laughs> I'm taking the... Atlanta Falcons over my favorite team to bet against, the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are 1-4 at home because, of course, they've only won one game this year. Falcons have shown some promise. Uh, their offense is clicking a bit here. I think they're going to run over the Panthers. And currently on FanDuel, they are favored to win that game by 3.5. So I'm taking the Falcons over the Panthers. James. I know I should talk Dak Prescott, but I'm going to take the Cowboys over the Bills. Uh, I've seen the Bills get slaughtered by good teams this year. And I know they just beat the, the Chiefs. But had Tony been onside, they would have lost to the Chiefs. So I'm going to take the Cowboys over the Bills. Bills are favored two and a half. They are at home. But I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a game for the Cowboys to take. Matty. I'll keep you quick. Packers over Bucks. Packers over Bucks. I don't have a definitive line on this game because uh, the Packers are playing as we speak, so that line could change between now and then. But currently, on ESPN, has it three and a half point favorite for the Packers, who are the home team in this situation. Four and two at home this year for the Packers. I can't give you a perfect parlay number right now because again, the Packers are playing, so I can't actually bet on the next week's game. But it's somewhere in the neighborhood of plus three something. So you're looking at about 20 bucks return on a $5 bet. Of course, don't take this uh, as real betting advice. Uh, if you have a problem, please seek professional help. I think it's time for everyone's favorite segment of the week. It's everyone's favorite segment of the week because it is a segment where we get to hear Maven's entrance music where you hear it literally no other place in the world. So uh, you're welcome. You have to YouTube. I guess. <laughs> you sure do. Uh, James, you want to go first? Yeah, man. I was going to go with Zach Wilson for his monster week and a comeback after everyone was kind of writing him off. And you know, he had over 300 yards, a couple touchdowns. Uh, it just looked real good out there. But I'm going to pivot because I wanted to go with them last week and I forgot. I'm going with my footy team, Liverpool, who's top of the table in the Premier League after stinking it up last year. 
and they've had back-to-back games against Fulham and Crystal Palace where they came back in the last 15 minutes and scored two goals to win the game in each of the matches. And it's been fantastic to watch. And Mo Salah scored his 200th goal, 150th in the Premier League, the fifth fastest to reach 150 in the Premier League. So shout out to my boys on Liverpool. Go ahead, Destin. I'm going to shout out um, one Sid Sixero because over the past few days and even the last week or so, we've heard a lot of shit from American broadcasters talking about the Otani situation and where he's going to sign. And everyone's talking about Toronto as like the secondary second market of like, oh, it's a, it's up in Canada with fucking igloos and shit. And why would you want to play in Canada? And it's a it's not as big of a market as all these other cities. It's like I appreciate the fact that on a number of occasions, Sid Sixero has used his platform to do the opposite and talk about how great this country is and talk about how great of a place the Blue Jays would have been to play for and to call out bullshit that he has seen. I don't always agree with Sid. And I know he's saying a lot of things that we say on this show, but we don't necessarily have anywhere near as big of a platform as he has. So the fact that he goes on breakfast television in the morning and shoots on some idiots like dumb journalists or dumb former players, I appreciate that as a Blue Jays fan and as a Canadian. So shout out to Sid Sixero. Oh, I'm surprised you didn't go with Gosman. Either of you. Low it was a similar, yeah. similar vibe, yeah. It's just, it's nice when it's from a guy who's not from here, though. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so if you're not aware, Kevin Gosman tweeted today uh, talking about how great Toronto is and what a great place to play. And, In uh, Canada as a whole. Yeah, so... Yeah, so thank you to Gosman for that. Ricky Romero did that as well. Vernon Wells did that as well. A lot of these guys came to the defense of the Toronto Blue Jays after hearing you know, the bullshit that some of these American... John Heyman and Ken Rosenthal, fucking baby. Yeah, a lot of these fucking idiots we're talking about. So we're, we're thankful for those guys. Very nice. Uh, mine, and I probably used this before, um, but I'm going to use it again. So I'm currently in the midst of playing the first DLC for Final Fantasy 16, And people will say, oh, like the director or whatever. No, my shout out goes to Sokin, who is the composer of creative business unit three which is the subsect of square enix which handles final fantasy 14 and handled final fantasy 16 that's headed up by uh yoshi p who essentially saved that company um anyway so one of his best friends is soken who's the composer and the dude is just continues to wow me i'm a big 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 believer that if your score is shit in a game no matter how good the game is it kind of really takes you out of it and it can really just add to the experience and just you know really make you feel it so um yeah just shout out to him because he absolutely crushed it on this and i can't wait for the next dlc in the spring to see what he does with that one so and we can't wait for our next episode of 43.6 maybe a week from now we'll be talking about the newest free agent signing of the toronto blue jays maybe a week from now we'll have time to talk about the toronto maple leafs and their goaltending issues who knows we got a whole lot to talk about next week we can't wait to See you all there. But until then, help control the pet population and have your pet spayed or neutered.